Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. The scariest thing going on in U.S. foreign policy right now is the prospect of a war with Iran. The past few weeks have seen the U.S. accusing Iran of trying to blow up commercial ships, Iran breaking with part of the nuclear deal, and the U.S. sending more troops to the Middle East, uh, all of which raises a frightening question. Is this Iraq 2.0? Now, that's what we're going to talk about today on Worldly from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Zach Beecham, here with Alex Ward, who is back from Vienna. Hello. And just the me and Alex show today, Jen's out. So start with the beginning of the recent tensions, not the whole beginning of U.S.-Iran relations, but what's been happening since about, I don't know, early May, right? Okay, so not 1979. No. Okay. So uh, May 5th is when National Security Advisor John Bolton put out this shocking statement, which effectively said the U.S. has credible intelligence that Iran is threatening Americans in the Middle East, the implication of which is that it could lead to the deaths of diplomats and other officials, troops, citizens, and so the U.S. would move an aircraft carrier and bomber planes to the region, right? Now, everyone, including us, on this show before, when we talked about this uh, on May 9th, we're just like, we're not too sure about this. Like, we don't know where this intelligence comes from. We have no proof of it. John Bolton also has a long history of politicizing intelligence, right? Which is where exactly. the Iraq stuff really started to feel prescient. Precisely, like, right? Run. <laughs> so we're like, okay, wait a minute. Like, of all people are really going to trust John Bolton on, on like, a uh, Middle Eastern country is threatening the United States, right? Okay. But then there were some interesting things happening in the region that then you kind of go, okay, well, maybe there's a problem here. So... We're going to talk about things that we've seen since that May 5th statement that have increased worries that maybe the U.S. and Iran are headed for a conflict. And because there's a lot, we're going to start chronologically, beginning with the oil tankers in the Strait of Hormuz. Right. So geographically, the Strait of Hormuz is this really narrow area of water connecting the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman. It's right between Iran and the UAE geographically, and it is the gateway to the Persian Gulf from the rest of the world, where a lot of the very big oil-producing countries right. are. So oil gets shipped out of there. Like, a lot of oil gets shipped out of the and Gulf. And other energy it. sources. Like, it, it's kind of like the main pathway for the world's energy to, like, be shipped. So if there's disruption there, if there's a threat to shipping there, it is a serious threat to the global economy. So 
in the first tranche of attacks, four ships were hit, right? And we're not actually fully clear on who did it, right? There's no official culprit, but it's widely believed to be Iran. Is that the sense of, of where we're at? Yeah, exactly. So these four ships, uh, they belonged, uh, two of them to Saudi Arabia, one to the UAE, another one to Norway. They were shipping energy through through Strait of Hormuz. And we don't know exactly who was behind it. Again, as Zach said correctly, the widespread perception is that Iran did it. The U.S. blamed Iran for it. Diplomats from those countries that own the ships all but said that it was Iran. Like, they're like, well, as a state actor with these kinds of capabilities. And, like, it was very clear they were saying Iran without saying Iran. So that, that's kind of where we are, is that in May, when that attack happened, we were like, okay, this seems like perhaps Iran is sending some sort of message. We don't know if it's a one-off. We don't know really what it means. But, like, that was sort of, that was sort of step one, is a, a, only really about a week or so after Bolton's statement we have that attack. So the U.S. takes personnel out of its embassy in Baghdad. We don't have an embassy in Iran, so that's sort of our—we're concerned about where things are going with Iran's statement, because Iraq's obviously close. But then things get worse in the past week when there were two more tankers in the area that were damaged. Again, no one was killed in either of these attacks, and it is not obvious who did it. But this time, the U.S. accused Iran very openly of using something called limpet mines, which are a naval mine that attaches to a ship a little bit like a limpet or a barnacle, basically, and then blows it up. And it claimed to have video, right, that proved that this is what Iran did. Yeah, uh, the video is this, uh, you can see it, it's, it, it exists out in the world. It is a black and white grainy image that cuts out at some pretty key points. But what the U.S. Uh, military says is that this is proof, essentially, that Iran was behind it. Uh, the video includes a boat that looks very much like an Iranian fast boat. It includes people trying to take an unexploded limpet mine off of one of the damaged ships. Um, and on top of that, they also released pictures that show in, in one of them like where where one of the mines blew up and actually caused a, a hole in the side of the ship and then another uh, limpet mine that's unexploded further up. And so these in totality, and there's also another tranche of, of these pictures released, in totality the U.S. military is saying, not only do we know it's Iran, but like here's what the attack looked like. That seems like pretty compelling evidence, but uh, is that accepted by everybody as proof that Iran is in fact responsible? It's accepted by most. I mean, even like some of Trump's critics, like Adam Schiff, for example, uh, House Intel chairman, and, and has said that the evidence is pretty compelling. Even uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel said there was strong evidence. But you're right. Not everyone has said that Iran was behind it. One of the, the leading executives of the Japanese company that owned uh, one of the damaged ships was like, oh, it wasn't a mine. A flying object is what damaged, what damaged the vessel. And you also see like the Japanese government itself be like, well, we don't want to lay blame here. But we're going to talk in a minute about something that's very clearly Iran's action. But like we need to just get through a, a couple of things first. These bombings and minings and explosions of various different kinds, they aren't the only thing that have become a major issue in U.S.-Iranian relations this week. Uh, another one has to do with the nuclear deal, which the Trump administration obviously withdrew from, but the Iranians had been still adhering to. Just quick reminder, what's sort of like the baseline, uh, of the bottom line of the Iran nuclear deal? The nuclear deal sets limits on how much uranium Iran can stockpile and to what levels. So higher-level uranium can be used for fissile and military purposes when lower-enriched uranium cannot at certain levels. And so this one concerns—I mean, it does a lot of other things, but those are some of the major components of the Iran nuclear deal. So what happened this week was an Iranian government official announcing that 
the Iranians would go beyond one of the limitations on enriching uranium in the nuclear deal, specifically the level to which the uranium can be enriched, slightly exceeding the amount allowed for in the nuclear deal. It's still not up to fissile grade yet. Right, it won't make a bomb. Right, but it's a little bit higher than they had agreed under the deal to enrich their uranium to. And they said they would do this soon if they don't start to see sufficient benefits from staying in the deal, uh, which is iffy with the U.S. out of it. The question is whether the Europeans, who are the other major party to the deal, can in fact uh, provide Iran with the benefits that they need in order to back down from this threat to violate the deal's terms. And what you said is the the main thing to take away from that Iranian statement. The other bit is that Iran will also said that they will stockpile more low enriched uranium beyond the capped limit. So okay, fine. Uh, and also part of that, by the way, is because the U.S. like blockaded Iran from exporting the extra amount of that low enriched uranium. So that's part of the reason why they may blow it by the limit by next week. Um, but like that is a significant tension raiser, right? Because you see uh, Iran is effectively saying, like, we see no benefits of staying in this deal anymore, so we're now going to stop violating it. And it's perhaps an effort to, uh, as you say, like, get some sanctions relief. But <laughs> this is part of the the worry here is that, like, if the diplomatic reason why the U.S. and Iran weren't totally at each other's throats is gone, then they might go at each other's throats. And what made me go crazy is then the U.S., after hearing the statement, was like, we really implore Iran to stay in the Iran nuclear deal. Oh, come on. Yeah, which, like, <laughs> you left it a year ago. Like, you have no legs to stand on at this point. It was just, I, I did a double take. You can't, when you break the rules, you can't ask for the rules to be enforced. Yeah, so the, the uh, for lack of a better, the moxie of the Trump administration to, to, to do such a thing. And then there was something else earlier this week, right, Zach? The Pentagon announced that it would be sending a thousand more troops to the Middle East. Uh, and that's a new deployment in recent months to a total of 2,500 ratcheting up tensions severely because if you're Iran, you're wondering why is the United States starting to send more and more troops at a time of heightened tension when there are certain people in the U.S. government who seem very interested in starting some kind of conflict with Iran. Totally, yeah. And you add that to like the aircraft carrier and the bombers or whatever, and, and you start to kind of freak out. I I, I want to make one thing very clear. Like, 2,500 troops is is small potatoes when it comes to, like, thinking about a war with Iran, right? So there are estimates even out there that would re- it would require, like, more than a million troops to even launch a full-scale war. Now, you could—you only really need 2,500 if you want to do, like, a limited strike on something, and that's not out of the realm of, of possibility. But, like, the, the the grand worry of, like, full-scale all-out war, the U.S. is nowhere near positioned to do that with, with just that. Uh, troop increase. Right. It's just a, a signal of escalation. Definitely. A yeah, sign that sure. the United States is, is getting potentially serious about starting up efforts to launch a war with Iran. And now we're actually at the part where it gets really scary because on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, it's still somewhat unclear. Or the Iranian military shot down a U.S. military surveillance drone. There was no one in it, right? It is a uh, it is an autonomous vehicle, so no one was hurt. But it is an expensive piece of equipment, and shooting it down is an escalation and a massive provocation from what it was doing uh, before, at least allegedly. Iran has very clearly stated that it did this, and the U.S. military confirmed it itself. So we now have something very tangible, right, where there was a mystery about who was behind the oil tanker attacks. We now know Iran shot down an American drone. Uh, and so there's a lot to be concerned about in all this news. But now that you've sort of hopefully digested the developments of the past week, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to really get into the implications of all of this, what it means and why it all matters. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Okay, hi, and welcome back from the ad break. Now that you're back, we need to talk about how serious the threat of war with Iran is. Because I don't think it's trivial anymore. This isn't just people speculating. I don't think it was back in May when we first started talking about right. this. Uh, I think it's it's a prospect that Americans need to start taking really, really seriously. Uh, and, you know, to to wrap our heads around that, should start with the stuff about the tankers. When it comes down to the tankers, it's like, do you believe Iran was behind it or not, right? I would argue, based on the evidence that that has been publicly released and based on statements by even some of Trump's critics at home and abroad, like, it, it, it's looking quite likely that Iran was behind it. Who, like, who else really in that region has the mine capability, has the the aggressiveness in terms of patrolling that region? Like, it just makes a lot of sense. Or why would they want to, right? There's not yeah. much of incentive for anyone else to disrupt international right. oil shipping. Exactly. To send a message of any kind. Right? I, I don't yeah. know. A terrorist group, maybe, but they don't have the mine capacity. Exactly. Yet. But now we know that, like, Iran is taking credit for one of its actions, shooting down an American drone. They were like, it is us. We don't want to go to war, but, like, we're ready for war. And so— as an Iranian commander said after the drone was shot down, like, this is a clear message to the United States. So the, the next logical question is, like, why is Iran doing that? And I think the reason Iran is doing it is because they're trying, in a sense, to blackmail America to stop 
the sanctions campaign, right? So if they're, they're basically saying, like, if we can't export oil, if we can't improve our economy, like, we'll take the whole system down with us. And and the signaling here, I think, matters because when you take the both the tanker thing and actually the, the Iran deal announcement. Because even though they're provocative actions, right, like, there's nothing minor about damaging international shipping. And there's nothing minor with damaging vessels with, like, humans on it. Um, there's nothing minor with getting out of this nuclear deal or, or no, no longer abiding by certain parts of it. And there's definitely nothing minor about shooting an American military drone out of the sky. That is very clearly an escalation above what they've done before, and on top of that, taking credit for it. But it is interesting that, like, they could have done a lot more. It could have been a lot worse. And so I think this is sort of their first chess move in, like, trying to put pressure on the U.S. to reduce American pressure on it. But to me, this seems like a fundamental misunderstanding. Because in this administration, you have— two foreign policy principles right now really running the show. National Security Advisor John Bolton and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. We don't have uh, a confirmed Secretary of Defense right now. In fact, the acting one just resigned as we are taping this. <laughs> uh, it's it's a real mess when you're talking about military escalation. But the point is you have two people who have long expressed not only openness but desire to escalate hostilities with Iran. Bolton has been on the we should bomb Iran path for quite some time now. And called for regime change. Right. Bolton has called for regime change. He's called for bombing their nuclear program. Like, he is a really hardcore, ideologically committed Iran hawk. And when Iran escalates in a fashion like this, uh, you know, something like a probing test with limpet mines that's non-fatal, what they do is they incentivize Bolton and give him ground to to push for more escalation on the U.S. side, which creates the cycle I was alluding to earlier, right? Iran may be trying to deter the U.S. from putting more pressure on them or to get them to back down, but given the people in charge right now, It's very difficult for me to imagine that this kind of action won't lead to some kind of further escalation from the United States. You know, as as a reporter here, I'm always focused on, like, what mistakes has the U.S. made or or is it possibly making? And, like, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that, you know, not only does the other guy get a vote in a conflict, but, like, it may also make a mistake, right? Iran may completely be miscalculating here. If it is behind the oil tanker attacks, that was a provocation that garnered the world's attention. And now taking credit for and committing the act of shooting down an American military drone— it's making a pretty big bet that Bolt and Pompeo at some point will go like, yeah, Mr. President, we really need to back down and find a way to de-escalate the situation. Like, I just, I wouldn't put money on that. And on top of that, you're seeing Bolton and like his NSC underlings like trying to insert themselves into the chain of command at the Pentagon when it comes to Iran war planning. And like Pompeo going down to hang out with the chief of CENTCOM, uh, Central Command, which is the military organization that oversees like American military operations in that region, for for a very unusual meeting, like it's very un very uncommon for the Secretary of State to kind of do one on ones with like, with a military leader like that, and it's and it's focused really all around Iran. So like you have to wonder that in in a sense, like are they kind of waiting for the excuse, all right, or for like that moment that where we Iran crosses the line and they go, Mister President, like it's time to go. That said, and it should be noted, like, Trump is constantly saying he doesn't want war with Iran, and even the, you know Bolton and Pompeo, like, we're not seeking war here, but. You do have to wonder about that. But, like, I think sort of the main takeaway I have from this, and and I'm wondering if you have it as well, Zach, is, like, the fact that we've been talking about war with Iran and this sort of tit-for-tat that's that's continued since May 5th, like, we didn't need to be here. 
this was completely unnecessary, right? The, the U.S. didn't have, even if it did get credible intelligence of Iranian threats, like it didn't have to put out that statement. It didn't have to make this, you know, the, the, the main issue. Uh, a lot of this stuff may have been taken care of quietly by removing diplomats or, you know, maybe some backdoor negotiations. I don't really know, but like it didn't have to be there is a threat. We are countering it. And if they don't back down, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We're not seeking a war, but like, hey, don't don't cross us. And on top of that, you just have this mixed messaging from the administration where they're like, we just don't want Iran to have nukes. That's Trump. And Pompeo saying that if Iran kills even one U.S. service member, that the U.S. would respond militarily, which is really a difference in the way the U.S. government is viewing this current crisis. Well, yeah, the U.S. isn't a unitary actor, right? It's sure. the different parts sure. of the administration, I think, are sort of clashing with each other in key and often hidden ways. But Look, we didn't have to be here in another fundamental way. This is the end point of Trump's policy that began with tearing up the Iran nuclear deal and severing the U.S.-Iranian relations and ties and level of very minimal, tiny, eensy bits of trust that had come up in the Obama administration. But, you know, before we stop talking about this, uh, I want to ask you, Alex, very seriously, how concerned people should be listening to this about— you know, real escalation about this situation getting bad. How how worried should we be? I think it's hard to know, but I asked a current Pentagon official who works on the Middle East about this, and I want to read the official's response uh, to me on it. The immediate question is how we will respond. The bigger question is how we maintain deterrence without risking a full-fledged war. I don't know if the latter is possible in this heated environment. A controlled escalation between two old adversaries who don't talk directly is tricky business. All variables point to war. The only thing stopping this is the preference of Trump not to get involved in the region again. But we all know he's erratic and can change his mind easily. And his two top advisors, referring to Bolton and Pompeo, are ready to start shooting, and we in the department don't have leadership. That's where we're going to leave you today. I want to thank our producer, Bert Pinkerton, uh, for her excellent work as always. And I want to encourage you all to rate and subscribe and review the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And a final reminder that our live show, our first live show, is June 24th here in D.C. We will put a link to get your tickets in the show notes. We really hope to see you. We hope that you'll enjoy uh, seeing us uh, debate foreign policy live and engage with us during and after the show. We do hope to meet you there. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause.